Welcome back, brothers and sisters, to another edition of Centurion Faith, the podcast that helps the believer to seek the kind of faith that makes Jesus marvel. I appreciate you tuning in today and listening to me. I have a good word um, to share with you. I'm going to kind of go off the cuff today and just let the Holy Spirit lead us. Um, But what God's been showing me lately through some uh, tough trials and battles um, has been just too precious not to share. Um, And my message today is entitled, Faith Speaks the Word Only. Faith Speaks the Word Only. And I know most of you who have been tuning into this podcast know that um, the the title of this podcast, Centurion Faith, is based on the faith of the Roman centurion, the faith that the Bible says made Jesus marvel. And again, Hebrews um, 11.6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must not only believe that he exists, but that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Um, so faith is the one thing that really gets God going. But, you know, um, when you look at that, you say, like the disciples said, Lord, then increase our faith, right? <laughs> when he explained to him that faith is the thing that we, we really want to seek after. But faith is not really something that can be defined so easily. Um but it can be displayed or exemplified. And I think the story of the Roman centurion does it perfectly. And that's why, that's why his faith made Jesus marvel. So anyway, this, this happened actually. I was looking at the story again and digging into it further this morning. And it happened after, you know, Jesus gave the, the Beatitudes or what they call the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And basically, he just like set the standard so high as if as if the law of Moses and the, the law of God um, wasn't already, hadn't already made things impossible. Jesus just made things even more impossible by um, preaching the Sermon on the Mount and saying, you know, if you, you know, if you even are angry with your brother, it's like murdering him and saying things like, you know, if you even look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. So he makes like the 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 um, commands of God even more harder to reach and impossible to reach in and of ourselves, in and of our flesh. But he wants us to operate in the spirit. He wants us to remember always that um, his his word is truth. His word is is actually uh, what we can rely on. And and having faith, um, God's been showing me is 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 basically just. It's all about the object of our faith. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So when we set our eyes on him, remember his words, remember that we have his Holy Spirit living in us and revealing his words to us, reminding us of everything he said. And then we also have the written word of God, the the logos, and, and then also the spirit of God, the rhema. Um, but uh, we have everything that we need in him. We, we lack no good things. So... Anyway, in looking looking at the story again of the centurion, you know um, this this happened right after Jesus came down from preaching the um, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the Beatitudes in Matthew five, six, and seven. Raised the bar really high, came down from the mountain, and he runs into a leper. And uh, right when he comes down, and the leper says to him, "Lord, if you if you will make me clean, in other words, if you're willing, make me clean." 
And Jesus simply said to him, I will. In other words, I'm willing to make you clean. Be thou clean, right? And he cleansed him. He healed him right there on the spot, showing that God is is willing to heal, right? And then the next uh, person that comes to him is the Roman centurion, and he's asking him to go and heal his servant who's sick and home with the palsy and grievously tormented. And Jesus says, okay, I'll go heal him, right? Just like he said to the leper, sure, I'm willing, let's go. And then the centurion um, says some very profound words in Matthew eight eight and eight nine. He said, "Lord, you don't have to, you have you don't have to uh, walk all the way to my house, but just speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority. I say to one man, go, and he goes. I say to another man, come, and he comes. I say to another man, do, and he does. And." And the Bible says Jesus marveled at this man's faith. And he just went on to say, I haven't seen such great faith. No, not in all of Israel. It was just amazing, right? I mean, that's, that the faith that this guy had, and this was a heathen, um, a Roman centurion hated by the Jewish people. A lot of them were extortioners. And, you know, they kept they kept the uh, Jewish people in line, kept them in their, in their place and in, in bondage under the Roman authority. And here's this guy saying seeing Jesus as the object, the author and the finisher. And and he did two things, really. He reverenced the word of God in Matthew 8, 8. Just speak thy word only, right? God's words, these same words that, that in Genesis 1, you know, set creation in motion. God spoke the worlds into existence, it says in the book of Hebrews. Everything was, you know, the spirit of the, of, of, uh, the, the spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep. And then when God spoke, he started just creating the world. And this guy saw that this was God Almighty, the great I am, El Shaddai, um, every name that can be named describing him, all summed up in the name of Jesus. He saw that he is, he, you know, he was the great I am and all he had to do is speak and the servant would be healed. And so he had such a reverence in 8.8 for the word of God um, a reverence that uh, Jesus hadn't seen, obviously, because he marveled at this guy's faith. And he said, I haven't seen such great faith. No, not in all of Israel. And that's like saying, I haven't seen such great faith in all the church today, if Jesus was, when he is here now by the Spirit. But I think he's looking for these same things and he's saying the same things today. I haven't seen such great faith in all the church, church when someone reverences his word. And again, it's the, the written words, the recorded history of Jesus, uh, which were, were, were done, the Bible says, by the Holy Spirit of God, written through men. And then we also have the Holy Spirit, as we're reading the word, reminding us that every word that Jesus spoke is spirit and it's life. And that's in John six sixty three. Jesus reminds us, he says, the flesh profits you nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. And he said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So this guy just understood the power. Then in 8, 9, this is really for for us today as well, especially. I mean, we obviously want to reverence the word of God. Proverbs 13, 13 says that he that that, uh, reverences the word will be rewarded and he that despises the word will be destroyed. So having a reverence is step one. Step two is found in Matthew 8, 9. Um, where where the centurion says, I'm a man under authority, you know, and he he said, I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to one, another, come, and he comes. I say to another, do, and he does. And that that statement there, 
was also part of what made Jesus marvel. He knew the authority of God's word um, spoken. And today, we are under that authority, just as Jesus said we would be. He said that he would do his work on the cross, shed his blood for the remission of our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the entire world, past, present, future, sins all covered on the cross, all by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And then he would, um, when his work was finished, he would be ascended from the dead on the third day. He told us that would happen, and it did. Historically, we have proof of that. And he would be ascended to the right hand of the Father, which we know he is today. And then he would shed forth his Holy Spirit to us. And, and in John 14, 12, we, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, would do all the things that he did and more and what did he do? He just went around helping people. He went around doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil because he was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have to believe we have that same authority and we can we can do the same things that Jesus did and even more because now his Holy Spirit has gone out to all the world and we've got probably at least 2 billion believers, born again believers, I think, at least a billion on the planet that are doing the works of the Lord under the direction of the Lord, under the Holy Spirit of God, according to what is written in the scriptures. We're doing God's word and we're, we are a walking embodiment of his word and his spirit, which go together. So when we speak, we have to really be careful with our words. Words have such power. We don't want to play around with words. We play a lot of word games and those are fun and uh, there's certainly a lot of them out there today, but words have such power. Whether you're a believer or not, um, you know the power of words. You know that when you speak speak words, they affect people in their soul, their emotional realm, and, and ultimately even in the physical realm, words will manifest. If somebody uh, tells, you know, if you tell a child since it, you know, when a child is, is small, that you're never gonna to amount to anything and you keep speaking that word over them, that's normally what ends up happening with their life. They don't amount to much. So words have such great power. So we have today as believers in Jesus Christ, the high privilege and the pleasure of using words wisely. And God has really dealt with me on this lately and really helped me to really guard my words. And as it says in the Psalms, Lord, put a guard over my mouth. Psalm 19, verse 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the med meditation of my heart or the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord. Those two things tie together. What we think about eventually comes out of our mouth. So I've been, I've been dealing with um, some fears that I'm just trying to drive out and trying to let God's perfect love through the Holy Spirit drive out these fears and fears about tomorrow. And um, God's just reminded me in Matthew 6 this morning, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. And I'm going to read this scripture to you, and I'm going to close with this. Um, in Matthew, if you turn with me to Matthew 6, um, and again, this is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, or the what people call the Beatitudes. Um, and in 6... Um, 33, it says, um, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And that's talking about Jesus. He is the kingdom. He is the righteousness. And all these things will be given to you, all the things that we seek after, right? Things to wear, things to eat, physical needs he's talking about. 
Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, or it says in the King James, each day has enough evil of its own. So God wants us not to worry. He says, too, that what we worry about in our heart will come out of our mouth. So he says in, in verse 31, 631, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For these things pagans or non-believers run after. Your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things even before you ask if, ask these of him. So this is, these are things that the world worries about. God will provide for us. It says in that same chapter, that if he clothes the lilies of the field and the birds of the air and he feeds that uh, feeds them both, uh, how much more will he feed us and take good care of us? So just seek Jesus today. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and let, let, let your faith be in God and what he's done through Jesus Christ, the finished work of Christ, and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let your greatest gift be God's presence in your life and just thank him as you go. Just abide in him. Be reminded that he's with you. He, um, Hebrews, I'm gonna close with this. Uh, Hebrews 13, five is one of my favorite scriptures. We often hear it quoted, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But I think the first half of the verse is often missed and it's the most, it's just as powerful as the second half. It says this, it says, Keep yourself from, from the love of money, right? As we know in 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money, not money itself, the love of money. It's how money is used that matters. Keep yourselves free from the love of money. Or another translation says covetousness. Because I have said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's amazing to me that he ties those two things together that uh, the, to, to, to uh, know that we are rich is to know that God is always with us. And when we know he's present with us, we don't have to worry about anything. Everything will be provided by God as we go. He knows exactly what you have need of today, more so than you do. So just keep your eye on him. Keep praising him. Keep following him. Keep thinking about him. Keep all, Psalm 10, 4 says to keep all our thoughts on God. And we can actually do that and practice that. And more and more of our thoughts as we go along can be on Jesus. And as we just thank him for our presence in our lives and for preparing a way for us as we go into these next days. So don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. Live your life in the present and know that God is present. He is the greatest present ever. Have a blessed day and go today in the name of Jesus Christ.